0: So I'm glad to to be here with you today. Turn to Luke 2 in your Bibles. We are gonna look at the story of the incarnation of Christ today, okay? And there's two things I wanna accomplish with you this this morning. Uh, Number one, I want those of us who are joined to Jesus to just rejoice at the coming of him, right? So just to, just to be excited, to, to rejoice that, that our God stepped down into history in the person of Christ. So I want us to do that together. I want us to rejoice. Um, the second thing I want us to do is I want us to, to see how, how we should respond to all that Christ does in the incarnation. So uh, most of our time we're going to be um, looking at verses 8 through 14. Um, And we're going to kind of look at the proclamation of the angels to the shepherds. And we're going to look at how they respond and how I believe we too should respond. So that's where we're going this morning. It's in um, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. I'm not going to read all of it right now because we're going to read that as we go. So we're just going to get started. So we're going to start with verses 1 through 5. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that the entire world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So, uh, the beginning of verses one through five, they, they almost read more like a history book, don't they? There's all these names and these places and these people. Um, but, but we shouldn't find that odd at all because the, the miracle of the incarnation is that it actually happened. Like, right, this is, this is part of real history. Okay, so uh, on, a, on a day, like a real day in human history, okay, as, as real as any other day, as, as real as today right now, God himself stepped down in flesh and blood. All right, so it, it reads like history because it is history. And all of these names and these places and, and these people, okay, they're, they're not just kind of random details. They're, they're glorious details that God the Father has orchestrated and put in order to bring his son about, okay? He's, he's preparing for the birth of Christ. Um, those of you who are parents and have had kids, you've done this, right? Like you, when you find out that your kid's going to come, like there's a lot to be done. All right, so about three years ago, uh, Whitney and I found out that we were going to have a baby girl. So that's Karis. And so we we started doing all sorts of stuff to get ready for her coming, right? And so Whitney, she had like this crazy list of stuff for me to do. And I had to like remodel this room and hang a chandelier and build this. I had to go to birthing classes. Have you guys ever had to do that? It's terrible. I had to go to birthing classes. But the reason we had to do all this is there was lots to do to get ready for the birth of our child. We wanted everything to be in order and lined up so that we could enjoy her when she got here. And there was much to do. Um, that, that's what we see God the father doing here. So like, like a good dad, God the father is making sure that everything is ready for the birth of his son. And we see that in this passage. So he says, okay, I need to make sure that, that my son is from the line of David. Okay, check. And so I need to make sure that, that he's virgin born. Okay, check. I, I need to make sure that he's in Bethlehem. Okay, so, well, how am I going to do that? He's from Nazareth. Okay, I know. I'll get the, the biggest world leader to, I'm, I'm going to cause his heart to want to do a taxation and a census to get Mary and Joseph all the way to where they need to be. Yeah, that's what our God does, okay? He's not really efficient, but he's big. And so he, he, he orders all these things. He orchestrates them together to get everything ready for the coming of Christ. And um, that, that's not very surprising because it's really what God has done all throughout the Bible, right? Man, all throughout biblical history. Uh, we've got our God story map back here. I use this with the kids on Wednesdays. But all throughout God's story, he's lining up and orchestrating the details to get ready for the coming of Christ. So we, we see even in the fall, right, when sin breaks the world, he starts setting things in place to bring a savior. That's, that's what he promises Adam and Eve. He says, I'll send a rescuer from your line that'll crush Satan, sin, and death, okay? And then we we continue to go through. We see him promises that he says, I'm gonna send a blessing for all the nations, and it's gonna be through your line, Abraham. So he's organizing. And we we see in Kings, he comes to David, and he says, I'm gonna send a forever king from your family, David. And so as we continue to go through those, and and then the prophets, he's gonna be virgin born. He's gonna be, um, and he's gonna be born in Bethlehem. All these things, God throughout biblical history is setting the stage for the coming of Christ. So we see that, that that is what he's doing. He's taking care of everything. And then on a day in the town of Bethlehem, it finally happened. God himself came down. So let's look at verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So this verse, is just a few simple sentences and it's kind of matter of fact. Yet, if we really understand who this baby is and what's happening on this day, it's insane. It's it's mind-blowing. So we have a holy God among sinful man, the the creator amongst his creation. From heaven to earth, this immeasurable span and we should marvel at the incarnation. The long-awaited rescue from sin. Our broken relationships he's come to repair. The greatest news since time began, yet the world is unaware. So we've got this this really big deal, right? So God himself has arrived. It's what all of broken mankind's been waiting for, okay? The one who would make war against Satan, sin, and death was here right? Like he, he's, he showed up, the rescuer's here. The one who's going to right every wrong and wipe away every tear from the eye was here. The wonderful counselor, the prince of peace who would establish a new kingdom. He was here in the flesh, right? And nobody knows. Isn't, isn't that terrible, right? Like the rescuer, he showed up, he's on the spot, and nobody even knows he's here. I mean like, that, that, that's, that's tragic. Imagine that you're on a cruise ship, right? And you're, you're sailing out and you're enjoying, something goes terribly wrong and the, the ship starts to sink and nobody knows there's life rafts on board. Like, that's terrible, right? Or, or let's say that, that you, um, man, a tornado's coming and everybody's running, they're trying to find a place to go. Nobody knows where a shelter is, right? It, it's terrible when people perish from lack of knowledge. And here we have the savior of the world who has stepped on the scene And nobody knows he's here. And that's just tragic. But God the Father is gonna make sure that people know. All right, God's gonna take care of it. Pretty soon, this glorious secret that Christ has been born is gonna be made known to all people. So that's what happens in verses eight through 11. Let's look at those. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in a field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. So we we, we see that God announces the birth of his son, right? Right? And so he he does it he does it in a pretty big way, okay? He he doesn't like get on Facebook and, you know, like blast all these pictures of Jesus. He doesn't send out like a little postcard that says, Hey, it's a boy, you know, he's here. You see, what what he actually does is he sends a whole army of angels down to proclaim that his son's here. Right? He if if you read the full text, he, he uses a flash mob which I think is pretty cool because that's how I proposed and pastor always makes fun of me for it. But like, if it's good enough for the birth of Jesus, I mean, like it's a pretty cool deal. So anyways, he's, he's making a big deal out of his son's birth and um, he wants everybody to know that they're here. So the, these angels come down to these unsuspecting shepherds and they, they say, hey, w- don't, don't be afraid. We, we're not here for something bad. We've got good news for you of great joy that will be for all people. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love hearing good news. Like something in me, I, I get excited when someone says, hey, guess what? Or, hey, you, you, you've got to hear this. So I start getting excited about good news. And I, and I love it when, I, when I, that good news fills me with joy. Um, but, but usually the good news that, that you and I are used to receiving only lasts a little bit, right? Like Man, like kids, if there's kids in the room, you're going to experience that here in a minute with Christmas, right? Like you're going to open your present, it's going to be awesome, it's going to bring good news, it's great joy, but then it like kind of wears off, right? And, and most of the news that we're used to getting is like that. It only lasts for a little while, it only reaches so far, and it only affects a small group of people. So like uh, news like, hey, hey, I'm getting a raise. Man, that's great news. Or, um, hey, you want to hear something exciting? My wife and I got a new car. Or, hey, guess what? I lost 20 pounds, okay? All those things are great. I mean, like, good for you, for real. Like, we should celebrate those and we should rejoice in those, but they only last so long. But here in this passage, we see that an angel's proclaiming a different type of good news a, a good news that, that is not just temporary. It's not just for a certain amount of people. It's a, it's a lasting good news that can always be rejoiced in. And it's, it reaches, it spreads so far that it affects all people from all times over all nations. Like this is some pretty incredible news that these angels are proclaiming. And so I, I think it's good that, that you and I make sure we're paying attention here, right? Like we, we, we listen to what these angels are saying because this good news brings lasting joy It will not disappoint and it can be delighted in again and again and again and it reaches all peoples. That's good news for you today because you and I are peoples, right? That's that's what we are. We're people and this news is for us. Let's see what that news is in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. So this news that the angel proclaims that concerns all people is that the birth of the baby in the small town is the birth of the savior of the world. All right. Now that's good news for all people because all people need a savior. If you've ever disobeyed God or displeased God, you need a savior, right? If you've, if you've ever broken one of his commandments, if you've ever fallen short of his glory if you've ever lied, stealed, or, or used his name in vain, we, we need a savior, right? That, that, that's what the Bible says. It's clear that we, that we are all separated from God from our sin and sinners need saviors. That's why this good news spreads to all because all people need a rescuer and that's why Christ came. He, 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 God himself stepped down in flesh to, to come to our aid, to rescue, to save and, and really it's an amazing thing because like, God, uh, God cannot die. So he has to put on flesh. Blood has to be spilt for our sin to be covered. So he has to come in flesh and blood. So that's, that's what the incarnation is about. God himself is putting on the flesh and blood so, for the sole purpose of going to die for our sins. For the sole purpose of rescuing and saving and redeeming mankind. It's really an incredible thing. And that's what we see here. To, to sum it up, Christ is born so that he can die. That's why he came. He, he, he came and he, he put on human flesh. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He's honoring God. He's obeying God. He doesn't deserve death. Okay? He's, he's the only one who's, who's got friendship and communion with God. And then in the greatest act of love ever, he goes to the cross and he swaps places with sinful man. Okay, bearing the likeness of, of man, he he takes our place on the cross, he takes God's wrath, he takes God's anger, he takes the physical punishment we deserve, the spiritual punishment we deserve, and he gives up his life on the cross. That's what the incarnation is about. Christ was born so that he could die and make a way for us to be friends with God. This is the news the um, the angels deliver. And apparently, like, one, one angel can deliver the news, right? Like it just takes one guy to, to give this good message, but it takes hundreds and thousands, a whole army of angels to delight in the implications of what the first angel says. Look at verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So one angel shows up and and says, hey, the Savior's born. And then the whole sky lights up with all these angels responding to what that means. And there's two things that the angels are rejoicing in and making known. There's two things that that the birth of the Savior are going to result in. Okay, number one, glory to God. Number two, peace to those with whom he is pleased. So John Piper says it like this. He says, there's hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world, when he came to reclaim it in Christ. He's about his glory and our peace. He's about his greatness and our joy, his beauty in our pleasure. This is the great purpose in the coming of Jesus. Glory ever ascending from man to God and peace being made possible from God to man so, so let 's look at both of these so first the the glory of God. I think this is the first and most important aspect of the incarnation it 's about god receive, receiving glory, and really that that shouldn 't be strange to us right isn 't that why you and I and all things exist we exist for for the glory of god to to point back to him and all of his awesomeness to to make much of him to to show the, the, the full to put on full display the, the beauty of his power and his might and his love and his grace and his righteousness. That's why all things exist is to showcase God in, in all of his awesomeness. And so we shouldn't be surprised that, that this happens in the incarnation. And really like this happens in incarnation to the fullest degree because what we see here is God himself is putting his glory on display in Christ. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the son from the father full of grace and truth. So the, the nature of God, the character of God, God himself puts on full display his glory in the person of Christ. For us to see. And I think that's the, the first and biggest purpose of the incarnation. Second, though, and this, this, is, this is really exciting for us, um, the, the second thing the angels speak of is peace among those with whom he is pleased. The ESV reads, on, Peace for those whom, whom with he is pleased. The NIV reads, On earth, peace among those on whom his favor rests. The NASB reads that um, on earth there will be peace among man with whom he is pleased. So I, I think all of these translations get it right. And I, I think that the big, the big thing that we should see here is although the, the good news of great joy goes out to all people, peace with God is only for those whom with he is pleased. So even though there, there's, there's reason to rejoice at the coming of the Savior, the peace with God can only be had if he's pleased with you. Which, which begs the question, how can we please God, right? Like, I, I want peace with God. I, I don't want to be a, an enemy of God or under his wrath. I want to be his friend. So how can we have peace with God? I was talking about this with my, my nephew the other day. We were having Christmas at, at my house. And Kai, um, he, he, he like appointed himself as the like the chief staff executor or whatever of Santa's naughty list, right? So he was going around the house and he was letting all the other kids know like where they ranked, right? And so, of course, most, most everybody in the house is on the naughty list except Kai because he's in charge of the list. And so, he, you know, he's having fun and you're definitely on the naughty list. So I, I go sit down with him and I say, Kai, what, what about this? What if God had a naughty list? I said, who in the house would be on that? And so I, st- I start asking him, I was like, you know, what, what, what about Aunt Whitney? Would she be on the list? And he says, yeah, Aunt Whitney would be on the list. You know, she's, she's messed up. And I say, what about, what about Rio? He says, oh, definitely, Rio's going to be on the list. And I said, well, what about me? And he's kind of laughed, like, why do I even have to ask? Of course I'm on the naughty list. And then I get to him, I say, Kai, what about you? He's a little slower to answer, but he says, yeah, Uncle D, if God's keeping track of it, we're all on the naughty list. And he's right, right? Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what scripture says. Um, Romans three ten through 12 says this. It says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside to together and become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. So he, he got it right. I was a proud uncle, but then I got a lot more proud because I asked him a more important question. I said, Kai, is there a way that you and I can get off the naughty list? Is there a way that you and I can cannot be on God's bad side? Because if so, I wanna know, right? Like I, I, I don't wanna be on God's side or, or I wanna be on God's side. I don't wanna be um, opposed to him or against him. And Kai looked at me and he said, of course, you've just gotta know Jesus. And, and that's right. Like, so the, the way that, that we can be friends with God is to be joined to Christ, to, to connect, be connected to him, to know him, to have a relationship with him. And that's exactly what it is. That's right. So the only way that that sinful people like me and sinful people like you can have a friendship with God is to be joined to Jesus by faith. So Romans 5.1 says it like this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so since we're connected by belief, by trusting in God, we then have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so that's, that's the way you get peace with God is to be connected and joined to Jesus. And the implications of this are amazing. When you're joined to Jesus by faith, you're no longer at war with God. You're no longer his enemy. Instead, you're counted as his friend. Romans 8 said that we're no longer under condemnation, but we've been justified. We've been declared righteous. More than that, you're, you're treated as family, right? Right? And when you put your faith in Christ, you're, you're grafted into God's family. You can't be taken out. And you're treated as a son or a daughter of Christ. He works all things together for your good. So these, these are just a sampling of what the, the shepherds are hearing that day in the field. They're hearing the, this, this good news of great joy for all people. They're hearing that, that God himself has come down to wake, make a way for, for people to finally have peace with God and so how did they respond you know it, it would have been a shame if they just went right back to watching sheep right you know like they this this amazing thing happens God shows up and he's here on earth he's here to rescue and save and they hear all this news wouldn't it have been terrible if they're just like whoa that's great all right, we better round the sheep back up. I think the angels scared them. Like that would be kind of weird. But what they do instead is they they just, they've heard this most glorious news and they say, man, forget the sheep. Like they can watch themselves. And all these guys take off to go find the savior. they They wanna lay eyes on the rescue of their world for themselves. Let's look at verses 15 through 20. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these things up, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and had been told to them. So, there's a there's a couple things that stand out to me here about the shepherds' response. Um, first thing that, that really jumps out to me in verse 17 is that they've heard this good news and they're they're going to share it, right? Like that's that's the natural thing we do when we hear really exciting news. We 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 go share it with others. Like if you're really excited about something, nobody has to twist your arm to talk about it. Okay? They, they don't have to remind you to to go to go bring it up, all right? That you're you're just naturally going to be be speaking of what is exciting um to you, and and that's what we see here with these shepherds. They're going out, and and everyone who they come across, they're they're telling them about this amazing thing that has happened to them. And so I, I think that 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 we should do the same. One, if we've seen glorious truth from God's word, we should be going and and telling others. So, um, the, and the the truth is they they were the first to hear about it, right? And, and just like we said earlier, it's a shame when people don't know about a great rescue. They, they don't keep it to themselves, but they go and tell others. And, and we need to do, to, to do the same. So did, did you guys know that like right now today, there are people all over the world who do not know this story? Like they just don't. Like they're, they're, they're for real. They have no clue that God himself stepped into humanity. Like there's billions of people like that. Some here in the U.S., some in, there's tons in India. All over the world, people who do not know that, that a rescue has come. They, they have no idea that, that they're separated from God and they're headed towards destruction. They have, they have no idea that, that God loved them so much that he came in flesh and blood and he went to the cross. Okay, so like for those who know, like we have a heavy responsibility, right? If, if, if the tornado comes and you know where the shelter is, you're a jerk if you don't tell people about it. There's a problem, right? If, if you're on the ship that's sinking and you don't tell people where the, the, the life rafts are, you're responsible. We have good news of great joy for all people and we should share it. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they not believe in the one whom they have never heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? We've, we've got to go out and tell people the good news. Otherwise, there's, there's no way they're going to respond, okay? Th- this message of good news, of great, great joys for all peoples, it may have started on the lips of angels, but for thousands of years, it's been passed, passed on from, from the lips and conversations of men with each other. And like, we got to continue that. We got to take this news um, to, to all people so they can know. We have a responsibility to our friends and our families and our neighbors and the nations to make known what God has made known to us. Why do the shepherds do this? This is the second thing that stands out to me. They truly delight in this, okay? They delight in this good news. They rejoice in it. Verse 20 says that the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So, Sharing the news is not burdensome to them because they they love it, right? It's it's their greatest joy. And and something that I've noticed, I've noticed this in my life. When when I'm not delighting in the gospel, I don't share it. When When I'm not spending the week being thankful for God and all he's done and meditating on the cross and salvation, how good he is. When I'm not spending time in God's word, okay, I don't share it because I'm not delighting in it. If, if I do, I, I have had opportunities to share the gospel that I've completely like blown because I'm not delighting in it. And then, and then when I share, it almost comes off like a sales pitch. Like, hey, you know, like you're a sinner and, you need, and they're like, they, they ain't buying. But when, when, I, when I am rejoicing in who God is and what he's done and what he's made available to me, when, when, it, when my heart is filled with joy, it comes out like good news and people wanna hear about it. And so I I think we can take a lesson from from the shepherds and and we can if we learn to delight in God's uh, God's word and the good news of the gospel it's just going to come out it's going to we're going to look for opportunities to share it so if um, maybe and this is this is convicting to me so maybe if you're not sharing the gospel it's because you're not delighting in it maybe maybe that's a problem within me and within us so as we end here today. and I, I wanna call us, I wanna invite us to do the same thing that, that we see the shepherds doing. Um, so, so first, I, I want us to delight in our God, okay? This God that, that came, to, to, that was wrapped in flesh, okay? he came in the flesh so he could die for us. The, the God who came to make a way for, for broken, sinful people to have peace with God. We need to delight in that. And then um, number two, I think as we leave here, we need to go share what we've heard man it would be a shame if if we leave here today and and we don't tell people and man the the good news of great joy that is for all people. We, that's our responsibility church. So let's do that well. Father God, we we need your help. We need your grace. And we we need you to go with us. To help us be people who are on mission, who are looking for opportunities to, to share this, this good news of great joy with all peoples. And, and, and we ought to do it, God. We, 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 we need your help. We need you to excite our hearts, to show us these wonderful truths, and then put, put what, what words in our mouth to proclaim to others so that they might know you for who you are. In your name we pray, amen.